Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. So we started this series on healing in the atonement, and... Uh, I attempted to do a review last Sunday and I discovered that the review was, <laughs> the review was so much so um, I, I wouldn't want to go there today I just want to continue with how Jesus ministered healing to people and what we're trying to study about healing like I said on, Sun, uh, on Wednesday and Sunday previously I'm not, just, I'm not just getting scriptures up To tell you By the stripes of Jesus You are healed You know it, it's, it, it's fine But you might not really understand Why, how And the process of it So we explained About the sources of sickness Do we all agree? We saw the sources of sickness So what's uh, some of the sources of sickness we talked about Number one source Sin Number two What? Oh stress Okay Number three Demons Number four Lifestyle Okay Number five Poor hygiene or, or diet So somebody can be sick from poor hygiene We know it's not demonic All he needs to do is to eat the right food and you walk morning to evening, you don't take break, and you are sick, it's not idols from your father's house. Your body has broken down. Okay? So not every sickness is demonic. And not every sickness is as a result of sin. Some sickness is as a result of what? Natural, um, natural habits, not taking care of your body properly. Okay. Then we talked about... Uh, the atonement which we dealt extensively with How Jesus went on the cross And that every time you see in the scripture Sin is almost related to, to, to healing So Jesus says your sins are forgiven And he's saying the same thing as you're healed Because it was true sin That sickness entered into the human race We established that from Genesis chapter 1 That when God created Adam He created him perfectly whole And when Adam sinned It's like the glory cloud was taken away from Adam Okay? And sickness entered into man. And we said essentially that the reason people are dying a lot younger now is because it's like we're more death conscious. We're more afraid of death. We hear a lot of news around death. You know, they tell you get married early so you can have your children so that before you die, your children can take care of you. You understand? Build a house in the village so when you die, they'll have somewhere to bury you. So death is almost like our motivation from living. From the day you're giving birth to, they start motivating you with death. You know, you'll soon grow old, marry on time. You'll soon grow old, do this on time. You know? Some people even get depressed thinking about their age. You know, they just think, oh, I'm 45. <sighs> Jesus, I'm 45. Yeah, we'll just get depressed. And we know that when, when, Abraham, when Sarah died, Abraham married another woman. So that means Abraham was in a relationship at about 120 years. Just felt, well, it's time to take another new, new girl now. <laughs> and, she, and he gave birth. You know, Abraham wasn't thinking. Like, oh, I'm too old now. Let me just retire in the village and just die. They weren't thinking death. They were always thinking purpose. So Adam died 900, you know, 
Methuselah just went on his own, 1,000 married wives, had children. Fantastic purpose. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Just married wives and had children. But the more we are beginning to lose the awareness of the glory of God upon our mortal flesh, the more we're dying easily. Because even in the church, we don't center so much on what Christ has done for us. We center so much on the material realm. So you can come to church for three months, and all you're taught about is goal setting, planning, seven keys to success, 19 keys to breakthrough, 17 keys to go to the top, 41 keys to have a happier life. All of those things are material realm. Nothing touches your spirit. You are not aware of the eternal life that you carry. So if we want to reverse the death process, we have to retrain ourselves. You know, and especially we teach that you know, death is a pathway to heaven, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says death is an enemy. Jesus is the way to heaven. Yeah. Go think about it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is not sharing that prerogative with death. And the reason we know is because there are people in scriptures who did not see death and they went to heaven. So we have examples for that. Number one, Enoch. Number one, Enoch. So we have perfect examples for people who just entered into the spirit realm without the death process. Okay. So we must begin to be conscious of the glory of God again. We must begin to teach on the glory. We must begin to teach on who we are in Christ. And the more, and what we don't understand is that the more we experience this increase in the realm of the spirit, the more the natural world will obey us. Adam was in absolute control of the natural world when his relationship with God is intact. In fact, Adam was in so much control that God gave him the right to name animals. Now, I'll explain something to you about that. When Adam named animals, he didn't just give them, uh, is it botanical names now? <laughs> Biological names. <laughs> Those botanical names can be confusing. You see purple, they say there's no purple. No, they can mean Okay. So, but what Adam did about naming creatures was that he actually gave them their nature. He didn't just call them names. So, you, say, you tell somebody, you shouldn't say that, but you tell somebody you're behaving like a goat. But you know the person is a human being, but he has the nature, the characteristics of, of a goat-like characteristic. So, when Adam said, you are a lion, what Adam did was he imparted the life, the, uh, the DNA of a lion to lions. So it was, uh, it was a very, it was a, it, was a, it was a process that really tells us about how much, more, how much power Adam had in the beginning. Is it, so sometimes, you know, the, the, thing, the thing is, and I think sometimes we as members of the church, we cause it. You know, sometimes because we are in a hurry, uh, pastors don't spend time to properly teach us on things. I, actually, I, I absolutely believe that, for instance, spending a month on any biblical subject, it's still too small. It's still too small. So, for instance, let's explain this. They taught us about confession. You shall have what you say. And they just quickly took us to Mark eleven twenty three. Uh, if you say, uh, so people just got up, carry the Bible. I'm not poor, I'm not poor, I'm not poor, I'm not poor. I think I'm poor, I think I'm poor, I think I should be poor, I'm not poor, I'm not poor. They just confessed. They didn't know why. The principle of confession is actually the same principle that God gave to Adam in the beginning. That if you call this thing goat, it becomes. You see, God doesn't just call things. 
what, what he says becomes an experience. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So if God says you are healed, in that word is healing. So when God actually tells you to confess about your situation, it's not as if you're trying to make God do something. What God is actually telling you is stand in the place of your authority and give a new life to this experience. So when you say, I am rich, it is not a confession that is going to happen. It is a declaration of a nature, spirit and life imparted into your life and to your destiny. So therefore he says, we believe, therefore we speak. So it's not the speaking first, it's the what? The believing. Okay. So this morning, I'm, I'm hoping that today... On Wednesday and on Sunday, we'll, we'll just tidy up and we'll pause here. Then maybe sometimes we we'll still continue. But I want to look at how Jesus ministered healing to people in the scriptures. We're going to read a lot of scriptures. And I want to encourage you, please, especially if you come here regularly, get a note for the things we teach. If you come without notes and you just sit down, you wouldn't get the best out of the church. That's the truth. You wouldn't get the best. Get a note, write these things down, go back, study them. That's how you grow spiritually. Okay? And I know some of you change notes every Sunday. Because what you bring is the, the quickest notes you see. Some of you are even carrying your children's homework notes. <laughs> oh, well, okay, give me that one. So every Sunday, no, no, no. You won't grow that way. If I take you to my shelf, I, can, I started consciously taking notes in 1999. And every year, 99, 2000, 2017, I can show you my notes. Because there are things that I, that I remember. And I remember, oh, this person taught this in social year. I go back to those notes. It's not just uh, a religious thing to take notes in church. No. It's actually the process of growth. Now, the reason you should take notes is you are supposed to be able to teach these same things to people. You meet someone who is sick, you are supposed to be able to open the scripture. This is why you're sick. You know, you don't just go and fling holy oil. You know, no, no, no. You have to teach them. But if you don't take notes, then... Um, yeah, so, let's stop there. How did Jesus minister healing to people? Number one, Jesus... Okay, I want to talk about the process first of all. Now... Not everybody, and this is important, not everybody that Jesus prayed for was healed instantly. You know, because sometimes when you minister to people, or you are prayed for, and you don't get healed instantly, then you say, oh, this pastor doesn't have power. No. There are actually about... Um, Several Bible verses that I'll show you now where Jesus didn't, didn't minister to people instantly, didn't get healed instantly. But let's start from the instant results. Let's do seven scriptures there. Matthew 9 22. So we'll go through Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and go through uh, how Jesus healed people. Then we'll talk about the methods later, the process and the methods. Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. And what I want you to note in all these verses of scripture we are going to read is the word immediately. I want you to note that word, immediately. So Matthew chapter 9 and verse 22. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made whole from that hour. So we saw that immediately the woman got hold. Let's go to Matthew 20, verse 34. 
Matthew 20, verse 34. Jesus was asking about the blind man. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So we see here that Jesus ministered to them and they did what? Immediately. Everybody say immediately. Okay. Let's see Mark's account. Mark chapter 1 verse 31. Mark chapter 1 and verse 31. This was when they went to see, you know, some people say that, uh, <laughs> I don't know, some people say that uh, Peter was the first pope of the church because Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church. Okay. But you know, popes do not marry. Peter had a mother in law. So if you read the Bible a little bit more carefully, you wouldn't make some statements. Mark 1 29. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's Wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and he told him about her at once. This is fever now. So he came, took her by the hand, and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. So he said, immediately the fever left. So when you have fever, you can minister healing to your children, even though they were caused by mosquitoes. <laughs> you can see minister healing. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So, yeah. When Jesus prayed for her, she got up immediately and started serving Jesus. She didn't get up and say, you know, I'm just recovering from fever. Peter, can you help me just, you know, just make food for Jesus Christ? No, she got up and did that. So she was healed immediately. Let's see something again. Mark chapter 5, verse 45. Verse 42. Mark 5, 42. Verse 41, Then he took the child by the hands and said to her, Talita kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. There are so many scriptures I can read to you there that you see the word immediately. If you're writing, you can write down Mark 1, 42, Mark 2, 12. Mark 1, 42, Mark 2, 12. Matthew 15, 28. Matthew 17, 18. All of these scriptures talks about immediate healing. Let's do something in Mark again. Mark 7, 35. Mark 7, 35. It says, in, uh, verse 34, Then he looked up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephata, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Now, let me explain, let me pause here to say this, because some people who criticize miracles, they say that, um, how can someone who has never spoken before speak clearly if he was healed right now? This is one of the scriptures that proves that actually, by the miraculous healing of God, you can actually start speaking plainly. Because actually what this means, if you study it um, further, was that he started speaking fluently. Okay, so we have a scriptural backing for people being healed and being able to speak plainly from the first instance. That's one of the scriptures there. Mark chapter 10 verse 52. Mark chapter 10 verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. What is the word I say you should look for in all these verses we're reading? 
immediately. Immediately. So that means I can minister healing to you right now and you immediately get well. Is that okay? Alright. Let's look at Luke. Luke's got some account. Luke chapter 5 verse 13. So we're looking at all the people who follow Jesus if they had these accounts. Luke 5 13. Then he put it out of his hands and trust him, saying, I am willing to be pleased. Immediately the leprosy left him. Immediately the leprosy left him. So we can see that the lepers were cleansed immediately. Uh, Luke 5 25. Verse 24, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. What's the word we're looking for? I can hear you. What's the word we're looking for? Immediately. Okay. So if you're writing, write Luke 8 for the 7. Luke 8, 47. Luke 4, 39. Luke 13, 13. You still find accounts of where people were immediately healed. Let's look at John. John 5, 9. Now, <laughs> you know, sometimes, let me, let me say this. We always sometimes have been taught to, you know, we, we've been taught to, to always look at ourselves as the victims. You know, like when we're reading about Jesus now, don't put yourself in the man that was sick. Okay? So we read about Jesus healing a guy that had fever. Don't put yourself in, I'm the one that had fever. Oh, Jesus will touch me today. Oh, Jesus will touch me today. No, no. Put yourself in the position of Jesus laying hands on people who have fever. Hello? If I talk about the woman with the issue of blood, where do you think you fit in that picture? A lot of people will quickly say the woman with the issue of blood. Oh, if I can touch. Oh, if I can touch. No, you put yourself in the place of Jesus. That when other people touch you, they'll get healed. Stop putting, that's why one song I'll never allow, no matter how, it, no matter how you want to explain it. What's that song again? My helper, oh my helper. No, 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 don't sing it at all. What's it? How does it start? There's something that makes me come. Don't, no, 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 no. We don't always come to his presence to be helped. Stop removing that victim mentality. You know, they say, oh, pray. Let your destiny helper come. Okay? You always put yourself. As the one who needs a destiny helper. Why don't you reverse it? And say, when you say pray, I've been to churches like that that were very uncomfortable for me when they were leading prayers. And he said, pray. Ah, your destiny helper will not pass you this year. And I said, Father, thank you. Because you sent me to help many. And this year, I am empowered to help many people. That's the way I pray. So, when we're talking about healing, don't see yourself as the sick. See all these examples I'm giving as examples that you are to follow. That means that you should raise people who have fever. That means you should raise the dead. You should heal the sick. It should become a normal occurrence in your life. They were experiencing miracles daily. It wasn't a testimony. It was just normal life. Oh, you're sick. Oh, okay, be healed. And then move on. 
You know, it was like when, when Paul was preaching his last message and Euphorus fell from the building. Preached throughout the night, you know. We go for all night only for prayers. We can't have word all night. And he preached throughout the night. Preached, preached, preached. The guy was sleeping. So when I see people sleeping in church, I know that, you know, Apostle Paul is my mentor. If people could sleep in Apostle Paul's meeting, uh, then I'm, I'm in good <laughs> I'm in good hands. You know, so, they, they slept off. The guy fell down. Apostle Paul went there, raised him from the dead. Notice this. Notice this. Because I've observed it in Christian meetings when miracles happen. We post everything and gather around that miracle and start to share your testimony. Where's your mother? Who came with you? Where's your father? Who knows you? Which village were you born from? It's an unnecessary interruption to the teaching of God's word. It's very is an unnecessary interruption to the teaching of God's word. God will always put his word higher above miracles, including the miracle of raising someone from the dead. When the guy got up from the dead, it was like he got up from the dead and rebuked him. You sleep too much. Go back there and sit down. And Paul continued preaching. He just continued. Because in fact, the time they used in raising him from the dead was almost like they wasted so much time. Let's catch up. Because you know why could, they could react that way? It was normal. It was normal. Raising of the dead wasn't a, mir- wasn't a miracle. Day. Oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. We are easily wowed in this generation because we see very less power. And the people we see operating power had turned into a superstar model. So it looks like all of us must run to them before we can see the power of God. So we are easily wild. So you ever say, Can I go deeper? Should I go deeper? Can I say something? Yeah, say, say, oh yeah, go deeper, Papa. Go deeper, Papa. And you just have entertainers and um, actors and entertainers. And his face said, The service was powerful. What did you learn? Nothing. Your child is sick. What could you do? Oh, where is the picture of my prophet? Hey, I forgot the picture. You now take bike. The guy is sick. Okay. So let's let's do sign of the cross and come back. So Jesus healed people immediately. So what I'm saying is this is a normal expectation from you. Not from Pastor Max. From you. If you aren't seeing miracles in your life, then you better sit up. It's normal. Paul, Paul, they stoned him. And if you study theology, they'll tell you. If the Jews stone you, they usually use one very big stone, which was the last stone. They threw it on you to certify that you were dead. You see, those guys were very cruel, although these were the Romans. But in those days, they were cruel. They, they stoned Paul, and it was like he was left for the dead. You know what the believers did? They didn't gather around him and say, Hey! It will not be good for you people. You just spoke around people. All of you will die. This is God's servant that you put a stone in. They didn't do that. The Christians, early Christians never felt helpless. They went around Paul. The Bible says they gathered around him and prayed for him. Paul came back to life and continued preaching. Do you understand? So if you come to church, if you come to the early church and say, Praise the Lord, as we are going through this meeting, ah, I raised two dead people. Come and share your testimony. Say, oh, can we do something else? Because this brother raised a dead person in the market. This other one did that in the store. This one. Can you teach the word? They were more for people who could explain to them the life of Christ than they were people who could do miracles. Because miracles was a normal occurrence of the believer. That is why even Philip and Stephen who were deacons, you know, went to Samaria. One deacon from church, you know, most times our deacons are about the color of carpet, 
How do we? How much do we pay, Pastor? Where are we going to put the church plants? You know, this is stuff we do. But you know, those deacons did that. They served as ushers, and they also performed miracles. So Stephen went to, to Samaria, preached Christ unto them, convert the whole city, signs wonders and miracles happening, and he strode back to church. And he was still a normal member of the Jerusalem church. He didn't come and meet his pastor and say, uh, man of God, as I was coming back from Samaria, the Lord appeared to me and said, son, it is time to leave. You know why? Because it wasn't a big deal. Are you following what I'm saying? And that should be our expectation for every one of us. You should be able to record miracles in your daily life and it shouldn't even impress you. Just like you raise somebody from the dead and you are calm about it. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not that you raise somebody from the dead and say, Raising the Dead Ministries International. Headquarters. Finima. <laughs> okay. Jesus healed people by praying twice for them. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Verse 23 to 25. Mark chapter 8, 23 to 25. Let's read from verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Wow. I, I, I don't know, but God really needs to help us. Look at Jesus. They met him with a blind man. And he said, heal this blind man. You know what Jesus did? He took the guy out of town. And he had all the power. You know, there's a, very, there's a very thin line between showmanship and testimony. There's a very thin line. And you know what? I'd rather be very conservative. I'd rather fall on this side of the line. You know what Jesus was just trying to avoid? Trying to avoid the sin. Stuck him out of town. Pray for him. You know, if we had so much power in us to do this, you know, we make sure the camera is working. Is that camera working? Yes. Is this one working? Where is Facebook live on? Say yes. Is Instagram live on? Because we just want the whole world to know that this thing can work through us. Saints of God, the church has never been about a man. The church has always been about Jesus. So you consciously have to decrease so he can increase. It has to be conscious. Because the human nature has a way of always trying to show forth. Look at it. Took him out of town. Took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town. When he had spit on his eyes, <laughs> put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything. Look at the response. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Of course, you know you can't allow this kind of man to leave you that he's healed. The guy's going <laughs> he sees men as trees. So he goes back to his wife. I say, you look like uh, a familiar purple tree that I used to know. Are you, are you, are you? <laughs> you know, so Jesus did what again? Then he put his hands on his eyes Again, I want you to note the word again. That means he did it a second time. And made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. So we see instances where Jesus prayed for people twice. So praying for people twice is not lack of faith. Because Jesus did it. And I'm thinking in my heart that the reason Jesus did this is to encourage some of us. Because we prayed for some people and we asked them, how do you feel now? You know, some people are very diplomatic. 
It's a little better. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So Jesus prayed for someone twice. Okay. So you can pray for them again. Let's go and lay hands on them again. Now, some people were not healed when Jesus prayed for them immediately. They were healed as they went. That means they were not healed in the meeting. But Jesus prayed for them. But as they were going home, they were healed. Because now the healing power of God is working. There is something in the healing ministry called recovery. Say they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The, The word recovery actually means that it's a gradual process. And if you don't understand that, you can begin to put yourself down and feel that nothing is working. Okay, let's read this and I'll share three testimonies with you. Luke 17, 14. Luke 17, 14. That's what I really want us to do in-depth studies so that you're empowered and you just know to keep your faith going. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Say amen, somebody. All right. Luke 17, 14. Verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, then he met ten, le- ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice. Now lepers could not come in contact with you. If they came in contact with you in the Old Testament, you were uh, defiled. You, you, were, you had to go to the priest. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Somebody said, well... Uh, this happened because Jesus did not lay hands on them. No, they were people Jesus spoke to and they got healed immediately. Are we together? Yes. Talk to me now. Are we together? Yes. I want to be sure you're following. There were people Jesus said, Arise, and they got healed instantly. So, in this case, when he says, Go, as they were going, they were healed. That means that as they were going, the healing power of God was working in them already. Okay. So I'll share three testimonies with you. The first one, I think I was with uh, Batunji were in Uganda. And I was preaching and I saw this guy. Bandage. I was looking for the pictures today but I couldn't find it. I don't know where they are. But he's, he had a fracture here. So he had this big cast on his leg. So he just carried his leg in front of the church. And that can be very intimidating when you're preaching. You know, because now you're preaching the gospel and then there's someone there. So, like, like you have to the disciples, I perceived that the man had faith to be healed. So, when I finished preaching, I went to him, ministered to him. In the name of Jesus, prayed for him. And uh, a large chunk of the pain disappeared. So, we came back home. Three days later, he went to the doctors. He couldn't feel the pains anymore. So, three days later, he went to the doctors. He was completely whole. They, they lost all the cars. His leg was completely healed. What medically should, should have taken him about seven months? In that process, when I laid hands on him, the healing power of God went to work, but it took him about three or four days to get perfectly whole. So people could have left that meeting and said, well, when that pastor prayed for him, nothing happened. You really never know if nothing happened. Because faith in the name of Jesus means that something has started. There was another guy, 
And uh, that one happened here. There was a time I called out for people to be healed. She ministered to them whilst we were at the other church. And he had this issue, had difficulties using the restroom. It was so much, and they almost were about scheduling him for an operation. And he said, after hands were laid on them, it did cross his mind. But after about a month later, he was completely healed. The operation didn't happen. That one happened over a space of a month. The healing power of God was there. Now, I remember in Burundi, when I prayed for a lady, I was taking pictures in the camera. One of my um, pastors was preaching. And this lady was coming with like pains, crying. So I, I just took off from the camera. I said, what's, what's the problem? I said, I'm having pains in my legs. So I said, in the name of Jesus, you're made whole. And immediately, she started walking completely whole. Now, those were three instances. Now, this is what I've learned. When I lay hands on the sick, my faith is active. I believe that they are whole. Regardless of what I see in the physical, because the healing power of God transmitted through my hands has activated the process. Why am I saying all this? Because you're going to pray for some people, and when you finish praying for them, they look more dead than when you started. You should have said, better I did not pray. You know, sometimes I pray for people and it looks like it's not working. You now encourage them. Have you taken a... Do they still take fancy days? My mother used to mention fancy day a lot in those days. Have you taken fancy? They still have fancy. You know, because you're afraid. What about if it did not work? What about if it did not work? No. It's working. Praise the name of the Lord. I said it's working. Praise the name of the Lord. Train your children that the first response... So sickness is prayer, not tears. I mean, very funny. My little daughter, she's three. My my wife said, Oh, I'm feeling pains in my tummy. She just runs there, put her hands in the name of Jesus, peace. That's the first response. If any of my children come to me and crying, I'm feeling pains in my stomach. I say, Have you spoken over it? Have you prayed over it? They say, No. I say, Go back, do that, and then come. Because I'm not a medical doctor, but I know that they don't have all the answers. That is why it is called medical practice. <laughs> have you had some sickness? You met the doctor? They, have, they did not tell you that we have tried everything. They not be asking you. So what do you think? And you are the one I seek. I thought you went to school for, for seven years. So... You, you now say, Doctor, I don't think this one is working. They say, uh, I think so too. <laughs> I remember one time I, my, my daughter was sick. So I was away, prayed for her. She wasn't getting better, so took her to the pharmacist, prescribed three, three drugs. And we just found that she'll be jacking. She'll be jacking. She'll be jacking. What was this? Without praying over that. I think I traveled. I was away for like two weeks. So my wife just went online and read about the three drugs that was given to her. And she discovered that two were not supposed to be taken together. And who gave the drugs? A pharmacist. Medical practice. If I were you, I'll pay attention to this message. It can mean the difference between life and death. This message right here. 
I used to be very sickly. I'm very passionate about healing. I used to be very sickly when I was a child. You know, sometimes if you get close to me, you see some tribal marks on my face. This way, not for beauty. <laughs> Therefore, sickness. I was terribly sick when I was a child. I was very sickly. In fact, the difference between me and my younger brother is six years. There was actually a twin after me before my younger brother. But my parents lost them through sickness. So I used to be very sick. I spent a lot of time with my grandmother, not because uh, she was the best person to raise me, but uh, she was the one who could bear my sickness. <laughs> I was really sick. So when I got a hold of God's word, I knew I could not let go. And since 1999, when I discovered the secrets of divine healing in the atonement, till death, probably maybe just one, two, three times that I fall sick, out of stress, and I just rested, and I'm whole. Because I believe that the very life of God can walk in my mortal body. I believe it. I believe it. This man called Jesus did not take all these pains because he wanted them to act in nice films. He took the pain because he wanted me to live whole. Can you say amen? amen. Okay. So, we've discovered three, is three processes. Immediately, laying hands on people twice and some people got healed as they went. Okay. So, quickly, we're going to look at how was healing ministered in Bible days? How was healing ministered in Bible days? So I'll see how much you can take care as time permits. Then we'll continue from here on Wednesday. Please, I'll urge you to make yourself available for the Wednesday night services. And when we are done, make sure you get the series. Get enough copies, share them with your friends, spread them. Just How was healing ministered? In Bible days. Now, I'm just going to read the scriptures so you write them because there are lots of scriptures here. So I'll just mention them and you write them so that we can move on. I want to see if I can cover like six today. Then we'll do six more Wednesday because there are about 12 ways healing was ministered in Bible days. The first one was through the laying on of hands. Through the laying on of hands. Now, write down Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 to 4. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 to 4. Then in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 to 15, you see that also, the laying on of hands. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, you see that, the laying on of hands also. So let's do only those three in Matthew. Matthew 8, 2 to 4. Matthew 8, 14 to 15. Matthew 8, 9 and 29, the laying on of hands. Let's go to Mark. Mark one forty one. You can put that up for me. Mark one forty one. You see the laying on of hands. Mark one forty one. You see the laying on of hands. Mark seven thirty two to thirty three. You see the laying on of hands. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hands, and touched him, and said to him, "I'm willing to be cleansed." Mark one forty nine. So Jesus touched him. So, in Mark 1.49, you see touching the laying on of hands. Mark 7.32-33. Mark 5.23. Mark 6.4. By the city. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Mark 1.41. Mark 7.32-33. Mark 5.23. Mark 6.4. Let's go to Luke. 
Luke 13, 13. You can pull that up for me. Luke 13, 13. We're talking about the laying on of hands. How were people healed in Bible days? Luke 13, 13. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And I want you to note that as the healing power of God came, she glorified God. We must always make sure that people glorify God. Not the God of the commission, they glorify God. can leave the commission out. Not the God of Pastor Max, can leave me out. He's your God. Just thank God. Let's, let's be careful. Do you, do you understand what I'm, what I'm saying? We need to be, extre- let's be extremely conservative. Let people tell us you are too humble. Ah, it's too much. Just a little glory. It's better that way. You will last longer. Okay? <laughs> I used to, I, I'll say this. Most times, the things I preach, I, I might be young physically in terms of natural age, but I've got a lot of experience in ministry growing up with my dad. I used, not like I used to, but I walk very strongly in the demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. Most times, the reason sometimes we don't do that a lot in church is that actually church is like a training, training place. So you do a lot of teaching. But most people that follow me to camp meeting, they see a lot of that demonstration. So probably when I go outside, minister to the sick. And in those days, early days coming up, the first time I got the call to ministry, I used to follow Benny Hinn a lot. I, I didn't preach without wearing white suits. You know, we thought the anointing was in the white suits. But it was so strong in those days that if I finish preaching and you come and I'm coming down and you take hold of my Bible, you fall down under the power of God. So I sit on a chair, you sit down, you fall down. I could be teaching in meetings like this and people will be falling. But you know what? I was very stubborn. I was very stubborn. My father would tell me to do something, I won't do it. Go to church, display a lot of power. So one day my father called me. He said, You know what? I said, You're my first son. I know that the call of God is in your life, but you're very proud and you're not going to go very far. I'm not cursing you, but that's the pathway you're going. And then, I taught something in church one day, and my dad called me and said, this thing is not correct. This thing you interpreted is not correct. You just interpreted your mind into it. That's not scripture. And so I said, so what's the correct interpretation? So he explained it to me. He said, but you know what you're going to do? On Sunday morning, you're going to go up and tell the people that what you thought last Sunday was not correct and you will interpret it correctly and then you see that I said no but they will. he said no if you can be bold to teach error when you find out be bold to correct yourself so I went up it was the most embarrassing moment in my life <laughs> praise the Lord Amen. <laughs> All the things I taught yesterday, I just found out. Uh, it's actually correct, but there's a different way to. My father said no. I said in the front, said no. I, well, it was not correct, but I found out this. I found out that. I found out this. Okay, I'll pick up. I stepped down. So for six months, you're not going to preach. You're going to read the Bible. I read how to interpret the Bible. He said, the first thing God wants to do in you. Is correct interpretation. And then the gifts will follow. That was my humbling moment. This was a young man who had dreamt that I would preach in stadiums. 
Cyrene was following me. You know, when you are foolish, you can see some dreams and think that it's God that is showing you. Both Cyrene and ambulance will be following you. Actually, what should be following you is the ambulance, not the Cyrene. They are actually saying that you are going to die. And that was the moment. I might not be able to do many things in my life very well, but this one. It doesn't matter who preaches. And that was the day that my father told me, Separate a man from his doctrine. You can love a man, but it can be wrong. I just I, I, I was praying with, with um, I was praying with the guys on Saturday, and I told them a scripture. You know, King Uzziah. In the year that King Uzziah died, ah, I said I saw the Lord. Every King Uzziah in your life that is letting you know to see the Lord, let me die. King Uzziah, King Uzziah, King Uzziah, 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 Uzziah can be my mother. You know, when you when you know how work to do, that's when you stay in those kind of places. And I give them a practical example. It wasn't that because Uzziah died, that is why Isaiah saw the Lord. They could not record dates very well, so he was trying to tell them when I saw the Lord was the same period that Uzziah died. So it was uh, uh, like, I mean, and I gave them an example that I won't want to use publicly, but let's say someone died last month, okay? And then I want to remember that event. And I say, in the year that this person died, I saw the Lord. It didn't mean that because that person died, I'm just trying to give you a time frame where I saw the Lord. Because they didn't have calendars. In this day, we could say, well, in March 13th, I saw the Lord. But how many of you have grandparents who used to tell you, for instance, they want to tell you something about the civil war. And then they'll tell you, okay, for instance, exactly. Say, when Ijabon was alive, our pension was... Do you understand? So they are using that Ijabon era as what? As a calendar. It's not saying that because of Ijabon, that's why they were paying us pension. Do you understand? How did I get here? What was I saying? I was talking about healing. Laying on of hands. Sorry. And you are just saying amen. You are just following. We have left what we are saying. Okay. Luke 13 13. Have we read that? Acts 9 12. The apostles laid hands. Acts 9 12. James 5 14. Acts 9 12. James 5 14. The laying on of hands. Okay. Now, I didn't give you all the scriptures. But I want to explain something to you. In all of the biblical methods used to heal the sick, the laying on of hands was more common. The second method was the anointing with oil. Sadly, sadly, listen to me, I said this from a pure heart. Sadly, this is what is promoted by the church but is actually the least in the scriptures in the scriptures there are only two times that people were healed by the anointing oil in fact once were they healed the second one was the prayer of faith but you know what we do today we lay hands less and we do more oil so what we do unconsciously We take people's faith from Christ And put it where? In a bottle Look at this In Mark 6 13 The first instance Where people testify that they were healed by the anointing oil 
And please try and get a message on the anointing. I don't know if you still have it, but get, go and get it. The anointing there is not a Goya bottle that you are buying, buying now. It was very medicinal. In fact, every Jew had an anointing oil. Because they used it to rub their sheep. It was medicinal like honey. You know? It's like if you grew up in my own part, if you grew up in the Delta State area, your parents always had, um, what's that? Canel. Can- ah! Look at the way they responded. It's like they have been missing the thing. Can you? Can you? Yeah. Okay. We'll sell some next one. You know, we all had it because it could. I don't know what it could do, but they said it could cure conversion. You know, you just had it. You understand? So it was like that. The anointing oil was like that. It wasn't something that, you know, a pastor had to pray on. It was just a medicinal stuff for them. Okay. So, Mark 6 13. Let's read that. Mark chapter 6 and verse 13. Are you still learning something? Okay. Mark 6 13. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So, this is the only reference you find out that uh, in, in, the, in, in the whole of the, God, the synoptic gospels, the historical account of Jesus, this is the only place you find where the anointed people with oil. Okay. Now, you know, some of us have become very, I don't know, you know, your child is sick, you haven't prayed, you bring your ear, give him a shot. shot. Oh, pour in where he's bitten. It's just, you just have a herbalistic approach to issues. Before you sleep, come, come, let me anoint you. You draw the sign of the cross. What criminals were staying on? It's just ignorance. And I don't, I don't, uh, sometimes you don't blame people because of the way they've been taught. Now, there's something about the scriptures. There were things that were done once and Jesus did not repeat them. He didn't spit on blind people anymore. But you know, our, our issue is, once we do something once and it produces results, we build a doctrine around that thing. For instance, if I just come and say, maybe I just felt led of the Lord, and I say, okay, anybody who wants to be healed, come and touch this speaker. And then people rush forward, they touch the speaker and they are healed. I can tell you. I can tell you. Give me five months. Anointed speakers will be in front there. You are anointed speaker? Oh yeah, go, go, go. You know, because we always like building things around that. If you want to live long, build around the world. If you study church history, you will never be moved by miracles. A. Allen, go and read church history. God's general is there. Go and buy it and read it. A. Allen, when he died, 60% of his blood was alcohol. He was drinking and still working in miracles. William Abraham was a true prophet of God. But when he started teaching the error he was teaching, the day William Abraham died, God told him, I'm going to take you because you're leading people astray, teaching whatever you're teaching. The day William Abraham died, he was in a car accident. Himself and his son and the wife. The wife had died. And William Abraham could manage to say, Where's your mother? And the boy said, My mother is dead. William Abraham said, Take my hands, put it on her. The boy carried, I mean, like an accident scene, carried his hands, put it on the mother. The mother came back to life. You know, today we are amazed by forensic prophecies. Like, Ah! The man mentioned my phone number, Jesus, Jesus, and his Ethel. If it was MTN, I would understand. His Ethel. You don't know church history. 
William Braham could tell you. Go and read. Go and read about him. Go, go. William Braham could tell you the car you entered when you were coming, the turns you took along the road, where you stopped, what you ate, what your sickness eats, and pray for you and get healed. It was under William Braham Taylor Osborne Saturn when he came out from India without having miracles. And from there he got that impartation and launched into the miraculous ministry. But yet God was not pleased with William Braham and had to take him because of the errors he was teaching. Because the scriptures say, in that day you say, did we not cast out demons in your name? He says, but I never knew you. Miracles are never the authentic proof that a man's life was pleasing the Lord. It's the fruit of the spirit that we look for. Uh, you are saying this uh, because you don't have miracles. Don't say that yet. Because you don't even know. You only know the people who have miracles because they flaunt them at you. But some others have chosen to decrease so he can increase. Don't think you know everyone. You may probably say, Ah, I'm the only one. God says, Shut up. There are people there who have not bowed their knees. You know, self-righteousness can lead to self-promotion. James 5.14 James 5.14 Anointing with oil, so the truth truly lay on of hands, and anointing with oil. James 5.14 I think I'll stop here. Verse 13 Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. <laughs> you know, James was, yes, guys, Let him pray If anyone shuffle, let him sing psalms If anyone among you sick Let him call for the elders of the church And let them pray over him Anointing him with oil In the name of the Lord But look at verse 15 This is what I want you to note Verse 15 And the prayer of faith, not the oil, will save the sick. Now, you must understand that James was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. So, at the birth of Christianity, Judaism and Christianity were still being mixed together. That's why Paul had to rebuke Peter, because they were emphasizing the, the circumcision. So James was actually writing to Jews So when he said If any is sick among you Let them anoint him with oil They understood what he was saying It's like this thing is something that is medicinal It helps in the recovery process Okay If he's sick Anoint him Take care of him And then pray for him And your prayer of faith Will save him So we find two instances where the anointing oil was used. The first one is Mark 6, 13, which is not very explicit. And then James chapter 5, verse 14. Unfortunately, these are the two instances in Scripture where we find the use of the anointing oil. The highest, because of time, I'd like to wrap up here. I'll finish up on Wednesday. We still have like 11 more ways to go. But the next one I'm supposed to deal with is true prayer, but I want to spend some time on that. But we found out that today in our modern church... We emphasize very little on the laying on of hands. And I want to say this. The laying on of hands is very, very important. To lay hands is very important. Because it talks about a personal relationship. It's a personal touch. 
Somebody say, well, the people are so many. It's because your church is small. It's because your church is small. If you have 500,000, how can you lay hands on everybody? It's better to just anoint the bottle, then they can carry the bottle and anoint themselves. What happened to their own hand? Why must the anointing go through the bottle? Look, let's explain this now. Let's look at this now. Understand, I'm just teaching you the Bible. I'm not against anything. I'm not for anything. I'm teaching you what the Bible says. You go to the market. You buy the oil with your hand. You bring it to me. I anoint it. I pray over it. You take it with your hand. You take it home. Your child is sick. You put the anointing oil in your hand. And you anoint the child. So what I'm telling you is that we can save some money here. I can teach you what I'm teaching you. And your child is sick. You take that same hand without the oil and lay on the child and say, In the name of Jesus, be healed. And you get the same result. So your faith is not in the fact that Jesus can heal your son. Your faith is in the fact that I have prayed on the oil. That's where the problem is. Sir, but it's working. Yes. Whatever we empower, we work. It's like I tell everybody, bring a king. Today we are going to flood the devil. And even, the funny thing is that even people who are graduates... That's why they can't get jobs. How do you flock spirits? You see a matured man with his children and a family in the car. God forgive you if that, those kind of parents you have. They will drive and go and buy cane. You say, who is this cane for? He says, for the devil. Did you not hear when Papa said we should we're having Koboko night? <laughs> then you carry matured. When they ask you, say, I went to UI. First class. Okay. With cane. I have flogging. You die. Devil, you die. Devil, you die. Devil, you die. Your children, everybody. You are, you, you are flogging. You finish flogging. You win. The next day, say today is perfume Sunday, so that you will smell well. If we flogged the devil and he died last Sunday, why are we not smelling well today? Those ministries put you on repeat mode. New inventions. They say, turn to the east, turn to the east, face, face. <laughs> and you know those kind of services, people will stay long. They will stay long. Those are the kind of services that sometimes women will go and marriage will break up. Because they'll never come home to cook. They are just there. They are just there. Men will go, they will not remember there is food at home. They are just there. Face the north, face east. Yeah, they are teaching you geography in church. <laughs> No problem, because you refuse to learn in school. Face south, face west, face northeast. Maybe we should just give everybody a compass. You know the funny thing? Next month, another miracle service. Bring a handkerchief. It's always on repeat mode, because that is what sustains it. But you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You should be able to serve God without any form of fear in your life. Are you following what I'm doing? You keep it simple. He's in you. The greater one is on your inside. I said the greater one is on your inside. The greater one is on your inside. It's not in the communion table. It's not in the anointing oil. It's not in the miracle. It's not even here. The greater one is on your inside. Hallelujah. So your hands are anointed. 
I said your hands are anointed. When you are sick, lay them on yourself. I say in the name of Jesus, I receive my healing. And the kind of testimony I want to hear. So pastor, I went home, my kids were sick. And I laid hands on them, and they are doing well now. That's when we begin to rejoice. Hallelujah. And you know what? You train your children the same way. And they go to school and they start healing the sick also. And it becomes so normal that nobody will build a ministry around healing the sick. Because it's a right that God has given to all of us. The greater one is on our inside. Let's be on our feet. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. If you have any pain in your body, you need to receive healing right now, then it's time to practice this. You put your hands on yourself and you receive healing right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. The greater one is on our inside. We're going to shine this light in nations. We're going to preach this message in nations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you have pains anywhere, you need to be healed. You, you, something is wrong. Just put your hands there. If you are close to anyone who is putting his hands on himself, just join hands with them and pray with them. Let's pray for ourselves, one another. Just look around. If there's someone around you believing for healing, pray for them. Just join your hands and pray with them. The closest person, just join your hands and pray with them. Let's pray the prayer of faith. Come on, we receive healing right now. Jesus. Come on, we agree right now. We agree right now. Signs, wonders, and miracles in our midst. Signs, wonders, and miracles in our midst. Let the healing power of God work in the name of Jesus. If you have been scheduled for any form of surgery and there's fear in you, I'd like to pray with you. I see someone scheduled for surgery, but there's so much fear in your heart. I'd like to just pray with you and trust God with you. Oh, yes, O God, we worship your name, O God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.